so today we're going to continue our journey regarding spiritual warfare. This will be the last chapter of Ephesians. If you didn't get Ephesians 6, um, raise your hand and someone will bring that to you. Um, but the best, we've been learning these last weeks, that the best spiritual warfare that we can do is to know who we are in Christ. To walk as Christ walked. To be yielded unto him. To know him. To know who he is in us. And so we're going to continue. We're going to be in Ephesians 6 today. And I'm going to go really, really quickly for, through the first like 10 verses because I want to get to the meat of the matter uh, in verse 10. So Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, and I'll be reading in the Aramaic. I'm reading in the Aramaic. So it won't be up there. It'll be on your sheets. Children, obey your parents in our Lord, for this is right. And this is the first commandment of promise. Honor your father and your mother, and it shall be well for you, and your life shall be long on the earth. So this is really straightforward. Honor your mother and your father, and you get a promise. It goes well with you, and your life's going to be long. Now, does that mean that you follow, follow your mother or your father in sinful ways? Of course not. It says in the Lord. It says in our Lord. Okay, so our Lord doesn't agree with sin. So it, it, it's not honoring <coughs> your father or your mother to do the bad things that they do. And, and all, everybody does bad things sometimes, right? Or to have them encourage you to do, you know, pick up their bad habits. <coughs> Excuse me. So that's pretty straightforward. Verse 4. Parents, do not anger your children, <laughs> but re rear them in the discipline and in the teaching of our Lord. So this tells me that if I raise, if we raise our children in the admonition of the Lord, in the word of the Lord, it prevents a spirit of anger in them. Okay? Why does it prevent a spirit of anger? Because the mommy said so, daddy said so doctrine or, or <coughs> system is infall it is fallible. <coughs> Excuse me. The word of God is not fallible. The word of God gives your child an absolute truth to stand on, to reason from, to make decisions from. And it's not just, you know, because... Every human being wants to have their own way at times. And there becomes sometimes a combativeness when a, when a parent and a child think differently for different reasons. And just saying, mommy said so, daddy said so, really doesn't cut it. But if you go to the word and you said, this is what God says, this is an absolute truth, it gives them a foundation from which to reason. Okay? So that will prevent anger in their lives. You know, God, God knows what he's doing when he tells us how to do things. Okay, Ephesians 6, 5. It says, Servants, obey your masters who are in the flesh with reverence and trembling and with simplicity of heart as unto the Messiah. Not publicly as if you please the children of men, but as servants of the Messiah doing the pleasure of God. Remember, that's key. Always doing the pleasure of God. And serve them with all your soul in love, in love as unto our Lord and not as unto men. As you know that anything a man does which is excellent will be repaid by our Lord, whether he is a servant or a free man. So this really applies to everybody. We should do everything as unto the Lord, not worrying about how men view it, how, how people see it. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 <coughs> in the NIV tell us that when we do things as unto the Lord, that the Lord will, re will reserve a reward for us as our inheritance. Our inheritance will come to us. The promises of God will come to us. 
when we honor him in everything. So this right here, these scriptures are an edification to a person who might be in an unjust situation that anything they do as unto the Lord, he will honor, he will bless. It is not authorization for unjust subjection of other human beings. It is not authorization for that, okay? I'm going to be real clear about that. And it is not a directive for those in um, subjection, unfair, forcible, um, to endure wicked or ungodly treatment, okay? It is not that. And he gets very clear in the next verses about masters. They are going to be held to the same standard as unto the Lord. So there he says, also you masters, in this way, do to your servants. So in the same way, as unto the Lord. Be forgiving offenses unto them, because you know that your master also is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So, subjection of any human being of any sort Slavery of any sort, those things we know are horrific, right? Child trafficking, horrific, okay? That, so this is admonishing, this is admonishing those and under those who have those under their uh, unfair, well, it's not always unfair. Some masters, I guess, are real, you know, some masters were supposed to, well, think about a president, Okay, so it applies really to all of it. But they are to be forgiving and kind. They are to treat people that they are supervising or people under their authority in a forgiving and kind and loving manner as the Lord would treat them. The Lord does not show any favoritism. The rule is basically the same. And masters are not free from the judgment of the Lord. You get that? So we don't want to treat, there, it's, he says there's no favoritism. Um, in other words, a master is no better than the servant, okay? So that's quickly going through all that because I want to get to the central point of Ephesians 6. And I'm calling today this sermon or this teaching Armor Up, okay? I'm going to read through these next verses and then we're going to go back through them and study them out. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Therefore, my brethren, be strengthened in our Lord and in the force of his power, and put on all the armor of God so that you can stand against the strategies of the devil. Because your fight has not been with flesh and blood, but with the principalities and the rulers and the powers of this dark world, and with wicked spirits which are under heaven. Because of this, put on all the armor of God that you shall be able to confront the evil one. And when you are ready, in all things you shall stand. Stand therefore and gird your waist with the truth, and put on the breastplate of righteousness and shoe your feet with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And with these, take to you the shield of faith, that with it you may have the power to quench all the blazing bolts of the evil one. Put on the helmet of salvation and grasp the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray with all prayers and with all desires, always in the Spirit, and be watching with him in prayer every moment as you pray constantly and make supplication for the sake of all the holy ones. Okay, we're going to stop there. Can you believe I got through that many verses without any commentary? (laughs) 
Okay, now comes the commentary. We're going to go back to verses 10 through 12. Therefore, my brothers, be strengthened in our Lord. Okay, that's what we have the strength of the Lord on the in, as born again believers. We have the strength of the Lord on the inside of us and the force of his power. That's what, sh- that w- that's what belongs to you. The strength of the Lord, the force of his power. <clears throat> and put on all the armor of God so that you can stand against the strategies of the devil. He has strategies because your fight has not been against flesh and blood but the principalities, the rulers, and the powers of this dark world and the wicked spirits which are under heaven. Okay, we're going to go through that. We will never defeat the devil in our own strength, in our own power, and thank God we do not have to. Thank you, Lord, that you have equipped me You have poised me. You have made me ready when I follow you. Our standing, see, we have the force of his power in us, right, when we're believers. Our standing in Christ, which is what we've been learning through all these Ephesian chapters, okay, our standing in Christ bring the force of his power to bear on our situation, are standing in Christ. You can't stand in Christ unless you know who he is in you. Right? That's why we're spending all this time learning about all this. But when we stand in Christ, we will, through him, defeat every strategy of the evil one. It doesn't say some. It says every. No losses. Nobody left to die on the battlefield when you're in command, when Jesus is the head of your situation. So, the goodness of God and the love of God, we've been learning about that, right? The goodness of God and the love of God will disarm the enemy every time. Have you ever responded to someone who's being hateful and you respond to them in the love of the Lord and they don't even know what to say? They can't respond to that. They don't understand that. They're looking for a fight. Sometimes the best fight is just expressing the love of the Lord. Okay? There's power in that. There's strength in that. There's wisdom in that. And our refusal to sin, okay, you got to play a big part here. Our refusal to sin and walk in the flesh Close the door to the enemy. He cannot gain entrance when we refuse to sin and walk in the flesh. So, and and as we've gone through Ephesians, as we've gone through Ephesians, you've seen the types of sin that we need to pay attention to, right? Right? You've you've seen that. Things that, that are displeasing to the Lord. So, when there is a fight... It is not flesh and blood that you are fighting. It is not flesh and blood that you are fighting. And it is not with fleshly weapons that you will win. Get yourself in the middle of a situation and and that's a bad place to be. You just want to stay covered in in Jesus. That's what you want to do. So, our fight, it says... Is, not, is with principalities, rulers, and powers of the dark world and wicked spirits. And this is a very important word right here. It says under heaven. It didn't use that phrase. It didn't use that term back in Ephesians 1 but we, because then it was talking about where you are. You are above, they are under. Okay? So it says under heaven. This means that they are already defeated, and when you are walking in Christ, you are walking in the superseding power and position of your Lord and Savior. Does that make sense? 
our position is seated with him in heavenly places, and we are given his spiritual blessings. We must internalize this, beloved. Ephesians 1, I just referred to that, and I'm going to read it to you, verse 19 through 23. It says, And what is the excellence of the greatness of his power in us? Wow. That's awesome. That's big. That's powerful. That's undefeatable. By those things which we believe. Do you see how important your renewed mind is? <coughs> By those things which you believe. You believe of the power of Christ in your life or you don't. You believe who Jesus is or you don't. <coughs> According to the action of the immensity of his power. Do you remember going over that? Y'all remember that? That's, that's some powerful stuff. Which he performed in the Messiah and raised him from among the dead and set him at his right hand in heaven. Higher. Not under. Not under. Higher higher than all principalities, rulers, powers, dominions. See, the very same. The very same as the ones who are under us in Christ, which we get to in Ephesians 6. And higher than every name that is named, not only in this universe, but also in the one that is coming. And he has put everything into subjection under his feet. And he has given him who is higher than all as the head of the church. That's you. That's who's taking care of you. That, that Jesus right there. Which is his body. That's you. And the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's you again. That's who you are. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed is the God and the Father of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, he who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heaven in the Messiah. A third verse. 1 John, and this is in the NIV. 1 John 4.17. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, in this world we are like Jesus. He said it, not me. In this world, you are like Jesus. Okay. So, we're going back to Ephesians 6. We're continuing in verse 13. Because of this, Put on all the armor of God that you shall be able. It says shall be able to confront. There will be a confrontation. We confront the devil. But when the confrontation occurs, we do not shrink back. We do not shrink back. Able to confront the evil one, and when you are ready, okay, that is a readiness that you have because you are a mature Christian. You continually build yourself up on your most holy faith. You continually build yourself up in the word. You continually renew your mind to the truth of the word and you allow it to change you. When you are ready, in all things, you shall stand. You shall stand. Okay, so from, from this, we see that God has given us his armor. He's given us his armor. 
And much of what Paul has revealed in, the, in this Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, reveal to us the different parts of that armor, you know, the things that, that we do as we submit to Christ, in other words, as we're um, armoring up, let's say that, ways to armor up, let's say that. So this passage tells us that when we armor up, we will be able to confront the evil one in all things. In all things. You are not the weaker party here. He is strengthening you. The Lord is strengthening you. When we armor up, we are ready, we are poised, we are positioned for whatever the devil or his demons or cohorts, whatever they want to throw at us, okay? Truly, our armor is knowing who we are in Christ, being yielded to him, and then standing in that. Standing in that. Not letting him talk you out of it. We armor up, we stand. We are not sitting around waiting for God to come down and move. Do you get that? We are equipped, we are ready, we are poised for any attack. And when we walk in Christ, walk in Christ, when we walk the walk in every area of our lives, which Ephesians is, our, is the instruction book we've been studying recently, the devil has no room to enter. Okay? The devil has no room to enter. Beloved, you in this church aren't mature Christians, and that comes with a responsibility. I'd love to break that to you. <laughs> it comes with a responsibility. You are not babies anymore. Nobody in this room is a baby in Christ. And it is time to leave no room for sin. I don't care how small it is. Ask the Lord about it and get rid of it. Okay? Many of the things that Paul teaches in Ephesians, you know, we've struggled with. People struggle with. But it's time to be done with it. It's time to have our houses filled with Christ and Christ alone. Okay? There is no room for the devil and his demons when we do that. He sees my no trespassing sign. Okay? He sees your no trespassing sign. You're not going to get in here. Because where Christ is, you can't. You know? It's full. The fullness of Christ. He sees your no vacancy sign. You are not welcome. I'm not making any room. There's no vacancy here. Okay? And that sign has been written for you in the blood of Jesus. In the blood of Jesus. His blood ran for me. His blood ran for you. For a reason. You needed it. I needed it. I, I need it today. Every day. His stripes saved you. His stripes saved me. And there's a bunch of grace and mercy that comes with that, but there's a bunch of responsibility that comes with that. And when we do certain things, and it doesn't, things that we know are not pleasing to God, and it doesn't turn out right, we have no right to blame him. It's time to be grown up. But anyway, he removed us by his blood, by what he did, he removed you from the kingdom of darkness and he translated you into the kingdom of light. Aren't y'all happy about that? Well, I didn't hear a single, I didn't hear a single anything. Wow. I mean, that's amazing to me. And you are in a new kingdom. You have been put in a kingdom of safety, you've been put in a kingdom of protection, you have been put in a kingdom of peace, you have been put in a kingdom of power. 
A power that supersedes every other power known to man. And when we obey him, when I obey him, when you obey him, when we yield to Jesus Christ, not only as Savior, but as Lord, as King of our lives, we become an impenetrable fortress. It's true. There is a complete wall of separation between the devil and me, between the devil and you. And I will not tear it down by entering into agreement with Satan in any area of my life. That can take the form of sin. That can take the form of failing to renew my mind to who he is in me to taking the fullness of Christ and believing that I am who he says I am. You know, when we renew our mind, it, it, it cleanses us and, 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 and we, we understand who he came to be in us to affect the world. Right? So we, when we renew our mind, that means understanding everything that he has recreated in us and the standing that he has given us in him. So, we, in doing that, in understanding and in, in receiving revelation from the Lord about who Jesus is truly in us because of what he did and because of the Father's great love for us, in doing that, our house, our home, becomes overflowing with Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah, the fullness of Jesus, the living God, the living God, the living God. What did I just say? The living God, living in you, not sitting idly by in you, okay? So we have, through Christ, been given keys, and many of those keys we've just studied for the last six weeks, many of those keys we have been given to unlock every strategy that God has for us in our lives to walk in this victory that he's given us. All the force, do you realize that you have in you, in Jesus, because of Jesus, all the force of the kingdom of God. Do you get it? All the force of the kingdom of God has come to reside in you. This is a living God. Nothing more powerful in all the universe has loved you so much that he has come to dwell in your earthen vessel. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and I'm a believer. I'm seated right there with him. If he is seated above every demonic force, I'm right there with him. If he took the keys of death and hell, he gave them to me. I got them. That's right. If he is the name above every other name, and I have his name because I have the word, what does that mean? Yeah. In this world, the scripture says, in this world, I am like him. 
When people see you, do they see Jesus? All right, next verse. Stand therefore and gird your waist, some translations say loin, gird your waist with the truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, for the remainder of all these verses, we're going to look at the Greek because it is so rich. We're going to look at all the meanings that these individual special words mean. Okay, I'm probably not going to give you all the words because I would just probably not say them right anyway. But that's what we're going to do. Because going through the rest of this, Paul basically puts in bullet summary form everything that he has already told us all through Ephesians. And he sums it up, and I want you to understand the key, a central key, is that Every single one of these pieces of armor basically boils down to knowing and moving in the word of God. Every single one of them. They may have different forms and functions, but it's all the same foundation. Knowing and moving in the word of God. All right. We gird our waist with truth. That's divine truth revealed to people by God and put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, loin or waist, the definition properly. The hip, the reproductive area used as the creative, listen to this, the creative capacity of the renewed mind, the seat of generative power. Your renewed mind, renewed in the word, truth, truth, truth in the word, the word of God, divine word of God, okay? There's the word connection. Your renewed mind becomes creative capacity, the creative capacity of God. If you don't renew your mind to the word, unfortunately, it would be the creative capacity of the devil. So you have a job to do and not to make excuses for ourselves. Because I want my creative capacity source to be the living God. His living word. Okay? So it says, this is where our creative, generative power comes from. Our ability to recreate or demonstrate or realize Jesus and all of his power and capacity in us. Wow. Wow. So we certainly want to gird our loins. And what are we girding them with? Truth. Truth. The only way to be established in truth is to know the word of God. Truth. Definition from Aletheia. Divine truth revealed to man. Reality. Divine truth is the only reality. The only place to get divine truth is the word of God. Okay. Breastplate of righteousness. Divine righteousness, knowing, this is the definition from Strong, knowing our position in Christ Our position with him, with him, your position with him in union, above every principality, power, dominion, as stated in Ephesians 1.21. Knowing your position. Knowing your position. 
And when you truly know something, when it has truly been revealed to you, you act on it. When you receive true revelation, you act on it. So this is, listen, this is a beautiful, beautiful definition. The verdict of approval by God. It is his verdict that you are approved by him. I love that. Verdict of approval by God, approved in his eyes. It is a gift we receive when we are born again. None of you ever again should have to feel that you need to earn God's approval. You can't earn it. He approves of you because you have received Christ. So knowing our position in Christ will protect our hearts. I'm going get to get to that in just a minute. Knowing our position in Christ is going to protect our hearts. Remember, this is a breastplate. This is a breastplate of righteousness. Okay? It will protect our heart. That is the function of the breastplate. Okay? From Strong's. The function of the breastplate. What protects the heart? Which is our capacity for moral preference. It protects the heart and its emotions and desires as they bear on our decisions, our resolutions, our sympathies, etc. So do you see what is happening here? That when we gird ourselves in truth and we put on the breastplate of righteousness, knowing our approval, it protects our heart from the onslaught of the enemy because we can stand firmly in the love of God. Okay? So we must gird our ways with truth. That's the word. And we must know our approval by God, our righteousness in him and not of your own doing other than receiving Christ, and that protects our heart. That's a good place to be. Okay, verse 15, it says, And shew your feet with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Okay, peace here. That is peace with God. That is peace with God. It means God's gift of wholeness, oneness in him. Listen to this. All essential parts joined. So you are in all parts essentially joined with your Father. Just think about that. You, as a believer in Christ, in all parts, are essentially joined with your Father. Wow. It means rest. It means quietness. It means oneness. If you think about the fact that you are, in all parts, essentially joined with your Father, does that bring you peace? Does that bring you quietness? Yeah. Serenity, confidence. Okay, shod. Hupodeo. It means to bind under. To bind under. In other words, this is our foundation. If we're shod, it's our foundation, our stability, that upon which we stand. Okay? So we stand, we have our foundation in the oneness that we have with God, in the, in the oneness that we have with God when we are joined together with him by his word, the gospel of peace with him. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. That makes me... And you, 
ready to resist every demonic arrow. That's your position. Verse 16. And with these, take to you, so you've got to take it, take to you the shield of faith that with it you may have the power to quench, power to quench all the blazing bolts of the evil one. Wow. Let's look at shield. Okay? This is a shield of faith. They're saying that give, this is going to give me power. All right, shield. Properly, a gate or a door. Used, used as the large, oblong, ancient Roman shield. By the way, we could go ahead and put up the figure of the Roman, you can see what he looks like, of the Roman soldier. Used of the large, oblong, ancient Roman shield, which looked like a full door. I mean, the pictures we have, that shield obviously isn't even big enough. You know, it's supposed to look like a full door. Large enough to provide full protection from attack. Full, get this? Okay, this is, this is in Strong's. Full protection from attack. It is a full body shield. Okay, thank you for putting that up. Faith. So faith means persuaded. It means to come to trust. It means God's divine persuasion. His will. His will. So it is basically full revelation, full revelation of his word, the scripture, in our hearts. His persuasion in our hearts. What does faith come by? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Believing the word, believing Jesus and the fullness of everything that that means. God guarantees that his word will not return void. It will accomplish exactly what he has sent it forth to do. And his word, spoken in faith by you, will do just that. And it becomes a shield against the enemy. Full body protection. So the shield of faith, listen to this, this is beautiful, straight out of Strong's, wish I had made it up. So the shield of faith refers to God's inworking of faith by revelation of his word which protects the whole believer covering their whole person in spiritual warfare. See how much more expansive the, the Greek is than the English? It includes all of that. You want me to read that again? It says, the shield of faith refers to God's inworking of faith by revelation of his word, which protects the whole believer, covering their whole person in spiritual warfare. And that doesn't mean the whole person all just physically. It means emotionally, spiritually, mentally. It means the whole thing. The whole person. Then it goes on to say, the Lord himself, now this is my part, who is his word, right? Who is his word? The Lord himself is our shield, providing protection. Listen to this, this is beautiful language, powerful language. 
by inbirthing, inbirthing his spoken word of faith in the believer. Inbirthing his spoken word of faith in the believer. This always extinguishes, takes the fire out of the missile of the enemy. Wow. And I didn't make that up. You are walking around with an inbirthing in you of God himself, the very word, the living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword in you. Verse 17. Put on the helmet of salvation. Man, I have sold this one short ever since I've ever known it, this one, this verse. Because it means a whole lot more than just being saved. Put on the helmet of salvation and grasp. That means we have an action that we need to do. We have a part to play. Put on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All right. Helmet. When it says helmet of salvation there, you know, I know, maybe I'm the only one, but I always just think of it as, you know, salvation like being saved, born again. Or I used to think that way. Until I learned what soterio and and um, soter meant. But anyway, the actual meaning of this is protection of the soul. Protection of the soul. What is your soul? Your mind, will, and emotions. That's why it's a helmet. I always wondered why wouldn't the helmet, why would they use helmet for salvation rather than, you know, something here? where we're born again in our spirit. It's a helmet because it protects your soul. The word protects your soul. It renews your mind. It allows you to resist the enemy. It, it allows you to refute his lies. See that? Because it will renew your soul. Wow. I, I mean, that, I love that part. That makes me feel so comforted. Put on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, salvation, we've studied that before, from soterio or soter. It means to save, to deliver, to bring out of and into. So to bring out of evil and into the light of Jesus, uh, into the safety of God. It applies to every area of your life, not just being saved like being born again. It is safety in every area of your life. It, it, so when we receive Christ, who is the word, we receive safety and salvation in every area of our lives. That's healing, that's provision, that's protection, whatever. His word, renewing our minds and emotions, gives us safety. It gives us safety. All we have to do is apply that word. We just, we just find the word and then we apply it to our lives. Sword, an instrument for exacting retribution. <laughs> the sword with which, listen to this, the sword with which the spirit subdues the impulses to sin. Did you ever think about it that way? No, because we always think about, you know, we're going to go attack someone with the sword. And in, 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 the, in Strong's, it says something that subdues the impulses to sin. It subdues our flesh. And we're going to find out why in just a minute or how. It subdues our flesh. So that's the renewing and the safety of our souls. And, it, and then it goes on to say, let me reread it so it doesn't get confusing. The sword with which the Spirit 
subdues the impulses of sin, the flesh, impulses to sin, the flesh, and proves its own power and efficacy. Wow. Okay. So, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. Okay, the Word, the Word for Word here is not the word Logos. It is the word rhema. And there's a difference. The word rhema, as defined, a thing spoken, a word or saying of any kind as a command, a report, or a promise. Listen to this. A spoken word. Listen to this, listen to this. Made by the living voice. Hallelujah. A spoken word made by the living voice. Well, who is that? Hallelujah. Commonly used in the New Testament for the Lord speaking his dynamic living word in a believer to in birth faith his in wrought persuasion. Do you see how much that word really means? It is the inward, inwrought persuasion of the voice that comes from the living God, Yeshua, the Messiah, Jehovah God, the King of the universe, the King of your life. In birthing a living reality in you. So this is who you become. This is not just some robotic person walking around saying, the word says this, so I'm going to think this, and I'm going to do this. No, this is alive. This is active. This is an inbirthing. This is an indwelling of the living word of God in you so that it so becomes alive in you that it is who you are. You can't deny it, and you cannot but walk in it. That is a reality. That is some kind of armor. The only picture we could have is of a covering, you know, something that's around about us, but it is so much more than that. It is something that is in us. I don't even know if I can go on. It's so amazing to me. This is a spiritual hearing. This is a spiritual hearing that comes along with this in divine inbirthing that God has so gloriously granted you. And me. So when we receive this spiritual hearing, this spiritual, this inbirthing of the living word, the divine word, the divine word dynamic in its power, it becomes such an indwelling part of us that we, we just walk in it because it's who we are. You just walk in it because it's who you are. Because he so beautifully revealed it to you. And you can't deny it. You wouldn't even want to deny it. You know, and I was, I, w- I came to this point in the, I seriously can hardly go on. 
I seriously can hardly move beyond that. So incredible what our Lord has done for us. It's so incredible who he has made you. And we walk around feeling an unworthiness or a heaviness or, a, and that's not, I'm not saying that in judgment. I'm saying that is that his heart so doesn't want that for us. His heart so wants us to live in the bigness of him. To truly understand how beautiful he's made us. How powerful he's made us. How much an answer to all the world he has made you. To never fear again. Sharing him. How can we but share him? But anyway, when I got to this point, the Lord reminded me of Matthew 16, 18. Remember when he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And his answer, you know, was Christ the Messiah, right? In other words, the living Lord. And he said, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And to you I give the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What was the rock? It's this. It's revelation. It is the indwelling, inhabitation of the Lord in each one of us. It is the in the indwelling, living word of God that is revelation to our lives, that is who we become. And because it's who we are, we cannot help but do Christ. That's the rock. And then verse 18, it says, Pray with all prayers and with all desires, always in the Spirit, and be watching. Be watchful, in other words. Be alert, be vigilant with him in prayer every moment. That means every moment, every season, every opportunity. As you pray constantly, that means with steadfastness and with perseverance, not giving up, and make supplication for the sake of all the holy ones. So we are to pray the word. We are to speak the word. We are to decree the word in every season with all steadfastness, with all perseverance, with all alertness, with all watchfulness, with all vigilance. Because it is the revelatory living word of God himself, his word spoken in us, recreated in us. And we must be ready in season and out. 2 Timothy 4.2 in the NIV. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and courage with great patience and with careful instruction. His word does not return void. It accomplishes exactly what he wants it to do. And the Holy Spirit is the testimony of Jesus. It is the truth. It is the spirit of truth in us. And it is Holy Spirit a deposit that guarantees, and it is a pledge of the inheritance, the total redemption that we have, the total victory that we have in Christ. You can go back and you can read Ephesians 1.14. So, Jesus the Word was sent forth to us and accomplished all the Father's will and pleasure, and we are no different as he is in this world, so are we. And this is a great and glorious gift that has been given to us. And it is the mature church, that's you, you are not babies, you, do not get, you are not just feeding on milk, you're not. It is the mature church that will take the land everywhere that our feet 
trod. We will take the land and we will occupy until he comes. We are not here waiting, waiting for the tribulation and the rapture. We have a job to do until then, and it is to occupy this land, to take this land for him so that as many people can go to live with him eternally as possible. But we are not pew sitters. We are occupiers. We are land takers. Because we have this armor, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So that's what the Lord had me share with you all today. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you in the name of Jesus that we truly walk in your revelation. Revelation.